Welcome back. This is part two of my conversation with Raka Eriksdottir. If you haven't listened to part one, go back. I have to say, as a person who's seen uh, knitting books, men's jumpers, and I find that men's books in particular are really rough, and I really love your men's designs. So I don't know, I, especially if you type into Google, like I did it this morning, vintage men's sweater patterns, they are mm. really depressing. Like either the model looks like they are really <laughs> uncomfortable. They look like a drowned cat, you know, the way that cats look when you get them wet, you know, like an embarrassed animal or um, the sizes are wrong. There's like nothing more depressing than a man's knit pattern book. And there's that something so funny. I don't know if you feel the same way, but if you if you've ever looked at a man, you, like not even the model looks comfortable. And I think there's something about these Icelandic knits where they are classic and manly. You know, I don't know if it's because they've got the yoke mm. at the chest where they're a bit chesty. I think they maybe they might do something yeah. for your body. I don't kind of know. Or maybe there's not the a lot of chest a little bit. Yeah, you know? yeah. No. I don't know. I don't know why, but I think these mm. are some of the only knitting patterns where like men don't look super uncomfortable and tortured. I do appreciate the dorky 60s and 70s men's knitting pattern. You know, the pamphlets or the, the old magazines and stuff. Very I mean, dorky. They are Very hilarious. Dorky. They are. And, uh, but and they're all pictured know, like I... in, in, in cold places, like with men on a bearskin rug drinking a brandy like next yes. to a fire or something. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness, lying on this... Uh, um, polar bear skin or something you know yeah yeah by the fireside when it comes to bodies i find um it's it, it's much easier so if you think about bodies okay children are quite boxy and flat men are quite boxy and flat women have curves and you know interesting swerves and curves on their bodies and and women of of different sizes have can have super different curves so I, I find it much, much more challenging to design a sweater for a woman uh, because mm. I really, really want to make an effort so that women of many sizes can, can knit the, the sweater and look good in it. So this is why I incorporate these different design elements that are maybe a little bit harder. You know, maybe you have to know a little bit more than knitting a square if you want to succeed at doing that. But it's really attainable for everyone who has a little bit of time to, and a little, you know, you can just YouTube how to do short rows or whatever. But um, yeah. I find it so necessary that that you're not just applying the, you know, sizing up a children's sweater and making it for a woman, because there are other design elements that need to be incorporated for the garment to look good on the woman, and especially yeah, yeah, if I you. So I like to, um, when I publish a women's pattern, I like to have the sizes ranging from extra small up to 3X or, or even larger than that. So, and it takes a lot of effort and thought. I know from people that do pattern cutting and that kind of thing that work in fashion, that that is just different patterns. And I would probably say petite's the same, right? Like those are not, mm -hmm. those are, I think, fairly difficult adjustments to make, I would imagine. Yeah, and I mean... Uh, it's like as, not a bigger a body, version of a small thing. Exactly. If a body, if, if you imagine a, an adult woman's body in extra small and then in 5X, you cannot take, uh, you cannot apply the same 
percentage in growth to all the parts of the garment. I mean, the, the sleeves or the arms are not going to grow longer as your torso grows wider or your chest grows bigger. So there's a lot of um, thought that needs to go into that. And there are size tables that you can use as a reference. I think it's really worthwhile to do this because we have very different bodies and a lot of knitters, uh, you know, like to knit because they really can accommodate to their own curves and they can just knit what fits instead of going to the store and 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 making a compromise absolutely yeah mm -hmm. absolutely so i'm looking at a knitting man i'm looking at image f um and this is the mayor of reykjavik and you made oh, a yeah. christmas design can you tell me about this design and the mayor of reykjavik please probably former mayor of reykjavik it's been a few years this is Jon Knar, who used to be the mayor of Reykjavik for a while, but uh, he is a comedian and just uh, an amazing actor. And it was kind of a joke to uh, make this political party, but then it just became hugely successful and, and he became the mayor. And this sweater was actually a charity project for Save the Children. It's a okay. charity for, uh, I think it's worldwide, this, this charity. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And they asked me to design a sweater that would be presented to the to the mayor, and he was going to be uh, wearing it for this ad campaign, and then I made the pattern, and you could buy the pattern and make your own mayor Christmas sweater, uh, and the proceedings went to the, the Save the Children charity. So, yeah, it was a really fun project. <laughs> You can yeah, yeah it's, it's it's available in my in my Ravelry store and then it's and then it's blinged you know with uh, some sequins and a little bit of embroidery and yeah it was not a, it very was a fun many project. sequins this is this is the prettiest <laughs> Christmas jumper I think I've seen in a while oh. it's like a Kelly green <laughs> thank you it's a Kelly green and it's got kind of like a yoke that reminds me a bit of a Christmas ornament or a Christmas bauble and then it's got a very very subtle Christmas tree it's not even it's not you might I mean I would wear it in other winter wintery type i mean i mean i would wear this in october or november if i were yeah. a man i don't know yeah i hear that there is a yule cat story in icelandic culture can you tell yes, us the ter yule cat terrifying story? creature it connects to the you know this our santa clauses are 13 and they have parents that are horrible beings they're trolls that uh their mother especially is horrible and she eats children her name is grilla so she is a troll who lives in the mountains. She has this big, big bag and she will go and steal children. And she will be accompanied by the house pat, which is the Yule cat, black and horrible and uh, lethal. The story went that if you didn't get a new garment for Christmas, at least one new sock that you could knit or something, then you would be fed to the Yule cat. <laughs> and this is what you told children and maybe still do. <laughs> Horrible, uh, yeah. horrible creatures. Yeah, it's very scary. Just before we get to Fire Saga, which we will in a second, you do have some simple patterns because I don't want to terrify people thinking about doing this. Um, <laughs> there's this cute rectangular hat. It's called Cute Rectangular Hat, uh, which is indeed cute <laughs> and so rectangular. Uh, do they have, I assume this is a child's pattern. Is there a women's version of this? You know, just C. make it a bit Picture bigger. C. Picture C. Just cast on a few more stitches. I mean, that's the thing about my pattern. You can always change them, you know. Look at this as a suggestion and then just take the the, the biggest version and, and just cast on a few extra stitches and, and shove it onto the head of a woman. 
Did, did you, this reminded, this hat reminded me a lot of this hat that we made in the States in 2017. I can't say, it, I can't say it because I have a six-year-old now. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about saying the P word. The P hat? But, uh, that's it. That's it. Do you remember this? <laughs> yeah. Do you remember this trend? I do. I do. Yeah. Okay. So just for people who didn't know, there was this uh, trend in 2017 called the pussy hat because it had little ears like a cat but this is after um a certain american president said a thing about uh mm -hmm. women's anatomy and yes. uh, all these knitters um took to knitting these kinds of hats some were more um intricate than others i thought it was really a a great example also how how knitting can be uh used in activism and and yes. um feminist justice um you know just bringing women together a very traditionally traditionally a very female um activity sometimes used to you know diminish the role of of, of women but really being used there as a as a force and and uh feminist act activism so that was a really nice example it's a nice little project i mean it includes some cool techniques as well like a three needle bind off at the top and then you have to make these little pom-poms and but there's also uh one of my baby sweaters it's called uh, the little garter cardi and that's also a, a very good beginner friendly project for people who want to uh, learn a lot of techniques but um a manageable small project that's not going to take you forever uh, many people that are that want to get into the Loki sweater knitting, they have started on my uh, Loki sweater, yep. uh, which is um, a baby sweater. Perfect. Yeah, because when, you, when you're making a sweater and you've never done it before, it can be overwhelming to make an adult-sized one. So I yeah. highly recommend making one for a baby. Yeah, absolutely. And then take Cheers it from there. That. Because it's so satisfying if you're able to finish it and maybe even find a baby to put it on. And, you know, it's just... <laughs> just any baby. Just a random baby. <laughs> yeah. All right, on to Fire Saga. The background on this is that I read this article about Fire Saga, which said that the costume designer for this is a woman named Anna Shepard. Anna B. Shepard, because uh, there's probably more than one person named Anna Shepard. But she's Polish. And she did the costume design for Fire Saga. She said it was her second favorite movie to design after Quentin Tarantino's Inglorious Bastards. She also um, got an Oscar nomination for Schindler's List, The Pianist, and Maleficent, which are all very different films to design, I suppose. Uh, she also designed Captain America, The First Avenger, Avenger, and uh, Tom Holland's Spider-Man. So I've got some images here. Um, they are from Fire Saga, so that's um, G-H-I all the way to, let me see, um, U? So this is a lot of images, uh, you know, we won't go through each one. You know, image G starts out with a young Lars and his mom, who we know have has passed away um, in these traditional Icelandic jumpers. How do you feel mm. about image G? Does this does this does this strike you as authentic or not? No. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> well, they are geometric, repetitive yoke patterns going on, yeah. but they don't look very Icelandic to me. Check. 
Okay, and this is a picture of the two of them at a piano, right? His mom yeah. isn't actually in the film. So yeah, you see it briefly, fleetingly in the first few minutes when he discovers ABBA. Yeah, exactly. Then we've got these pictures of them in the first scene of all the Icelanders kind of around in the in what I assume was 1974 because ABBA's won. How do you feel about any of these outfits? We've got H, I, and J. If as an outsider, I think the most authentic is the lady on the left in image I, who has like a a vest, a cardigan yeah. vest sweater in kind of an orangish kind of a color. But I'm guessing as an outsider that none of these look probably authentic to you, with maybe the exception of that lady. Yes, no? Well, I think that this is an Icelandic actress, actually. I think she looks pretty authentic for the 70s from, yeah. you know, from the memories that I have. Uh, mostly from from uh, photographs, obviously, because I'm, I'm born in 71. So, um, but yeah, this could be like a, an authentic 70s knitted vest and the blouse as well. But the sweaters in images H and J, I think the, the one in image H is, well, it's not traditional Icelandic, but it could very well have been like a 70s garment over here. Excellent, excellent. It's uh, yeah. that's, this is the picture of young Lars sitting on the stairs, yeah. and this is um, this is this is pretty highly featured in this um, in this scene. The jumper that's on little Lars as he discovers Abba. But the Pierce Brosnan one, nah, not really. I think that's more like uh, Ralph Lauren, two thousand thirteen or something. I don't know. <laughs> oh gosh, I was gonna, I wasn't gonna give it Ralph Lauren, but yeah, I would have. Two thousand thirteen <laughs> sounds right. Uh, there's this awful jumper that he has in image K where he walks in on, uh, Lars and secret, um, you know, kind of riffing in the basement where, uh, he comes in, he kind of hits on secret and, uh, it's got a duck on it. It looks like the duck from duck hunt. It looks like the whole, yeah, it looks like that video game duck hunt, but on a sweater. Yeah. It's not Icelandic at all. Yep. Maybe now in a hipster ironic kind of way, but you know. No. Oh, we're getting to irony because we're gonna get we're gonna get to a lot of irony momentarily. <laughs> All right, so L M N N L M N N are images of secret in this jumper that I, in my fantasy, think that all Icelanders wear. It's kind of a rainbow. It's like a stippled kind of a very natural fiber looking rainbow jumper. It's a cardigan. She wears it throughout the film with a mustardy colored scarf and she wears it in scene after scene do you love this rainbow jumper is it is it particularly icelandic do you love it or is it just meant to give us the idea that she's like you know it evokes her character it doesn't evoke iceland yeah i think i think it more evokes kind of this hippy dippy nature loving kind of person you know not specifically icelandic not at all super my heart is broken. So we've got images P and Q here. This is when Secret is knitting and the, the Greek girl comes in and says, she says, I think Secret says I'm angry. And she looks down at the jumper and there's this angry jumper. It's literally a frowny face, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, this is image Q. I don't know. How do you feel about this jumper? I realize it's an I, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a gag, right? I'm angry. But I, I like the fact that they're women and they're... I think it's pretty awesome. You know, she's, do, she's knitting because she's... Yeah, it is pretty awesome. This technique that she's using is is quite uh, complex because she's uh, she's working back and forth and she's making this um, 
So it's a special technique required to make um, a pattern like this because this is not repeated in the round. This is not the only scene where women bond or communicate through textile. I'm skipping forward to image T where Sigrid is talking to her mother and her mother mm -hmm. has got an actual loom as she yeah, talks about whether weird. Lars is the right person for Secret, and the answer is no, you know, according to uh, to Secret's mom. <laughs> is this, am I going to find an, an Icelandic woman with like this Sherpa shearling vest? She's got some actual shearling hanging out there, and then she's got this, she's got an actual loom at the dinner table with like a warp and a weft and a, yeah, it's, it's very intense. And I think Secret is knitting. So they are talking about their most kind of, you know, you know, they're having real, real life, real stuff, girl talk. Mm. And, and is this a typical thing? Are you, am I going to see a, like a loom on a dinner table in an Icelandic home? Well, I'm not going to totally exclude the possibility, but okay. you would be more likely to find a mother and daughter having a deep, deep conversation and maybe both of them are knitting. That'd be more right. Okay. a scenario okay. more likely, but you know, somewhere in the country, for sure, there's a woman with a loom on her dining table. Okay. So I've got image R, which is, um, if you're, you know, watching Netflix, this is at, we're 21 minutes from the end. So they are watching the the, the finals here. You've got uh, Lars's dad, Pierce Brosnan, and Sigrid's mom are sitting together at a table. And I think this is about the time where someone says, she's singing in Icelandic. She's singing in Icelandic, which is really touching. And so you've just got a whole bar full of, there are several of these scenes. There's a whole bar full of Icelanders. And this time they're super happy because Lars is about to pull through with Sigrid, or maybe just Sigrid mm -hmm. pulls through. Um, is this what my bar full of Icelanders is going to look like? If I visit Iceland tomorrow, what, what of this is, is, is accurate to your yeah. eye? Maybe, may, I don't know if Pierce Brosnan is hanging out here at the moment, but uh, other than that, I mean, for sure, this, this looks like a scene that could totally be possible. Yeah. And which is the most they authentic Icelandic, image are, which is the most authentic image here to you? Um, do you mean of the, Sorry, which the, is the, most authentic jumper, the people? Yeah. Do you mean the people or the clothing? The clothing, which is the, which is the best jumper here for you? Oh, the gray one for sure. But it's not traditional Icelandic, but it's, um, you know, it's something that you totally would see around here. We've got image you. That's a real Lopapisa finally. Yeah. So okay. you got it there. Yeah. Okay, it's, it's image you. It's at, uh, you, we've got an hour 47 remaining in the film. My, my screenshot doesn't tell me how far we are in. But um, yeah, it's just like two Icelanders with it. We've got a jumper and a matching hat, which mm -hmm. I think is adorable. Iceland in Eurovision, quickly. 35 appearances, 25 appearances in the finals. Very good, very good numbers. First appearance in 1986. Highest placement, second place in 1999 and 2009. Um, with seven top 10 placements. Uh, and here's a whole load of groups that I'm going to have trouble pronouncing. Please forgive me. Stjornen mm -hmm. in, in mm -hmm. 1990. Okay. Yeah. Heart to Heart, 1992. Birgitta. Birgitta, did I get it right? Birgitta. Birgitta, 2003. Hatari, tough to screw up. I'm hoping I got that right. 2019. Hatari. <laughs> and that, oh no. <laughs> no. Oh, that was crushing. And Daddy Freuer, Daddy Freuer and Gagnamadit. I'm pretty sure I slaughtered that. Daddy Freuer or Gagnamagnet. 
Excellent. Yeah. Thank you. In 2021. Yeah. What are your memories of Eurovision? You know, do you, are, do any of these... In 86, it was a huge deal because it was the first time and the whole country was obsessed with the song that we sent. And we were so sure that it was going to win the whole thing. And it was just this horrible national disappointment when we were placed in the 16th place. It was terrible. Oh. Okay, so it you watched with friends, day. you watched with family. I watched with family. I was probably 14 at the time, 14, 15. And it was just, you know, we thought it was the, the best thing ever. Um, yeah. I think we've placed us in the 16th place for an unusual number of times. You know, I think it's the most often we have been placed in the 16th place 16th is, is the weird. most the most common placement oh that's yeah. that's that is heartbreaking considering the quality of uh, of icelandic you know participants i totally agree how you know you watch songva kepnin did i get it right please help songva kepnin thank you do you watch every year yeah i watch every year and i usually watch watch with friends and we have these uh Eurovision parties, you know, people usually do that. You'll have like a, a barbecue together or something and, and you know, really root for whatever your favorites are. And, and many people will have, um, they, will, they will guess how the placements are going to be. And then the one who guesses the closest to the right, uh, the right final placements will get some prize or something. Like a fantasy team, like fantasy, instead of fantasy football, it's fantasy, uh, fantasy Eurovision. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's the likelihood of knowing somebody who knows somebody who has participated or is participating in Eurovision? I mean, Iceland's not a massive country, is it? We are a nation of 380,000. And I think everybody probably, if they don't know someone who competed, they will know someone who was in the whole entourage because, you know, they send this whole group of people always when someone is competing. Or they will know someone who knows someone. It's easy to get the connection. Yeah, okay. Because we're such a small country. And you might be related to the person. Is Iceland a particularly musical country? Like, does everyone know how to play an instrument? Do you learn how to play them when you're young? Do you play them with your family? I don't know how it is compared to other countries. But yeah, I mean, most of my friends have learned to play an instrument at some point or another. Like when you're a kid, you might be put into something just in your school or you might have a stint of piano lessons or or something like that. So, yeah, I guess. uh, And then, um, you know, in in a country as small as this one, it's quite usual that people have many roles, like being a knitting designer and a nurse and, you know, all of that. Sure. So I'm told that a quite high percentage is in a band <laughs> as well. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, the question. Alongside with everything else. So, yeah. That's lovely. All right. So I have primed you to ask about, we're, go- we're going to take a look at some jumpers in Eurovision uh, before we go on to your selections. I have posted a, a picture, a picture T uh, and you, of uh, British swimmer Tom Daly, British, sorry, British diver Tom Daly, who is also a knitter. Uh, I have mm-hmm. posted these pictures to show what, uh, <laughs> what horrendous textiles look like, ironically, on a perfect body. 
right? So Tom Daly has an Olympian's body. Uh, definitely Google Tom Daly, comma, knitting, or look at the show notes. When you have a perfect body, you can afford to wear jumpers like, you know, those pictured T and U. Uh, yeah, I've got like a jaunty bodysuit, and I don't even know what to call it. A very fluffy cardigan uh, with some yeah. contrast well, the top. The t- no, no, I'm going to be horrible and correct you. The top in, in picture T is actually crocheted. It's not knitted. Oh, no. And then okay. there's a knitted sweater. I kind of love the, the, the sweater. I think it's quite cool. Is he wearing this ironically? I don't think he's wearing the sweater ironically. Maybe the top. Okay. And, you know, yeah, the, okay. the pose and everything. It's like, ooh, look at me. But uh, I think the sweater is <laughs> actually... You know, I think he means it. Okay. I've been following him because he, you know, he's on Instagram and I, I really like, uh, I don't watch sports a lot, but I do watch diving. So so I watched him and uh, I followed him and his knitting process. And, you know, he, and he's, he's, he's come a long way, you know, he's progressed quite fast as a, as a, as a craftsman. And, you know, I'm impressed. Oh, I'm impressed too. I have included these photos because we're about to see some pictures of Eurovision participants in jumpers. And, you know, I'm about to ask you whether they're terrible jumpers. And Tom Daly's got a lot of, he's an example of a person that has a perfect body. So if he's modeling it, he's got a perfect body. Sometimes I do wonder like, what hope is there for the rest of us? Like just like a normal person wearing this jumper? All depends on the fit. These pictures are from a, a Twitter feed, I guess I should call it an X feed, called Eurovision Wardrobe, at ESC Wardrobe, that's its, that's its handle. The first one, there's a lot of Joker Out. There's a lot of jumpers from Joker Out, Bojan from, from, from uh, Joker Out. How do you feel about V? It is a sleeveless and or short-sleeved jumper in green with a collar. I don't think it has much to do with hand knitting or or handcraft, but I kind of I kind of think it's cool in uh, hipstery, maybe a little bit ironic kind of way. But this is from ASOS, so I don't know. Yeah, a lot of these are, um, yeah. The, you're you're going. You might get slightly slightly depressed. Here's a yeah. slightly better uh, jumper W from from Bojan. Um, yeah, they're calling this a dad jumper. I don't know from Indicode. Yeah, I, I actually think I think these are quite depressing because they really look machine knitted and they look acrylic or something. So I think this is quite horrible. I just loved his outfit from the actual performance, which yeah, is very I like feminine. The pants. Yeah, yeah, really he had good. these uh, iridescent metallic kind of well, metallic kind of uh, fuchsia bubblegum pants with a. Yeah. top that had just an absolutely amazing print. I mean, that's just perfect for 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 that stage. I mean, seriously, it doesn't get much better yeah. than that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, before we get to the, the submissions that you've given me that you love from Eurovision, I have to mm-hmm. ask about the busker who had an entire act that involved sweaters. Uh, if you if you don't remember this song, it's the I feel better in my sweater uh, song from Malta. <laughs> How do you feel about the sweaters that they start out in? We've got kind of a white one here, image Y. We've got an, a white one here on the left. We've got this. This is definitely from ASOS, and it's definitely acrylic. And for me, I find it super sad, this middle jumper. I think they could have benefited from a consultation with a, a real authority on sweaters yeah. for this act. Because, uh, yeah, they are quite horrible, you know, and they don't do sweaters justice uh, 
be it hand knits or or they should have committed, you know, taken it all the way into the ironic direction or into like a, a glittery Euro, Eurovision version of of something. I don't know, but but not this. Oh, this is blah. Yeah, it's a good point. It got stuck in the middle. They change into this outfit in Z. So there's image Z. And then we've got the three of them that have changed into like some metallic. They're, they're, well, there's only a jumper left in the middle. It's a metallic silver and black jumper. Do you like this as a as an improvement? It is an improvement. But then again, you can see the cartoon figures, obviously inspired by the, the Tadis Act. Tadis and Kalkna Magnet. But, yes, absolutely. Uh, the, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and just how blah it is also, uh, where, where they're trying to depict the sweaters in these uh, pixelated kind of little cartoonish figures. But but because it's so in the middle and it's so not def- definitive, it's just bad. So, sorry, no points. So now we are going to get to your choices. Bum, bum, bum. Mm. Your first choice is Jamala, 1944, mm-hmm. recorded in 2015, went to Eurovision in 2016, Iconic, unforgettable song. Why did you pick this song? Just you saying the title and talking about it gave me chills now because I'm thinking about the song and that to me says everything. So um, this is a song that just gives me full body chills and is a total electronic banger. I love it. I just think it's it's so... Up my alley. I. It's political. It's. It's. It was a strong statement. It was just everything that I want Eurovision to be. Pissing off the Russians. You know, it's just amazing. <laughs> so, would you put this on again today? Oh yeah, I do it all the time. It's on my uh, saved songs list on Spotify. Excellent. I have a few Eurovision songs on my list that I kind of play at times. You know. This is one of them. I also have, you know, I I, I kind of seem to like dark haired women with low, long flowy hair and gowns and uh, a fan blowing in their direction. So that's kind of a, <laughs> a thing of mine in Eurovision. Yeah, if, if we were uh, if we were uh, if we were playing Eurovision bingo, then um, yeah, that that's definitely a lot of people's oh, yeah. jam. I think in Eurovision, I. Mm-hmm haven't seen this in ages and of course we always well, I always watch the the video that if they have it the official video like the yeah what was done at the actual contest video yeah from the event yeah yeah exactly. from the event um the what I wrote down was that this is more tribal than I remembered it's got a more rhythmic moody they've got the roses that kind of burn a little bit in the background and then become lava they do have a wind machine which I forgot She's got mm-hmm. like a flowing, I don't know if it's a pantsuit with a dress or what it is, but it, she's got a, like a flowing thing that happens. Mm-hmm. This song is um, definitely a song that relies on music, which I like. Like, I don't think the costuming and the staging is doing more work than the music is, which I quite mm-hmm. like. Yeah, yeah. It, it, you, you could have played it without even seeing her and really appreciated it as well. So Yeah, absolutely. You know, absolutely. Yeah, it, and it, I think the the lyrics are pretty overtly political in that, you know, the description of what's happened to her family or what's happening to the people in the song mm. is very, um, it doesn't pull any punches. It's pretty, it's pretty overt. Yeah, there's not a lot of metaphor there. Mm. It's just super, super awful and sad. And at the same time, there's just some melancholic tone that just goes straight to your heart and creates these chills, you know, it's just, 
I think it's an amazing song. Really, really yeah. good. Yeah, and the languages are listed as English and Crimean Tatar. Uh, so yeah, yeah, there's also that original language component of it, which is which is really pleasant. Uh, really yeah, good to see. Yeah, I really, I really appreciate when people uh, sing in their authentic or something else than than English. I I really do appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. This song won with a total of five hundred and thirty four points. Its semi-final result, however, was not first. The semi-final result was second, and it came in second to Sound of Silence by Dami Im from Australia. The Australians have been quite su- successful in the, in the competition. They, I, I think their, their songs are usually pretty good. Yeah, I like them because they also, I think they bring something different. You can count on Iceland, you can count on Ukraine, you can count on Australia to, to you always wonder what they're going to bring. And so I think, mm. I think that's quite lovely. Yeah, I think that's quite lovely. Second song, Think About Things. Daði Freyr og Gagna Magnið. Because, I mean, Think About Things was the song that uh, was supposed to be in the competition in 2020. And the whole yeah. COVID thing, and they never got to perform it. And, blah, you know, there was a whole drama around it. And... But this song is just so good and they, you know, the whole, I mean, Davis' charm is just unsurpassed. I mean, he is so charming and he's over two meters, this, you know, lanky guy with long hair and these nerdy clothes. And oh, I just, I mean, he's amazing and just a huge musical talent. This song brings this funky vibe kind of. And I think this was before all the whole TikTok dance thing hit us. Mm. So they did this little dance. There's kind of a TikToky dance, you know, and everybody was dancing this dance and learning it. And oh, I just, I, I think it was just an amazing moment and great yeah, for yeah. the Icelandic music scene. Absolutely. And I think uh, Dadi is the tallest contestant ever at Eurovision. I think that's a thing. Oh, yeah, sure. It um, is. 207. I hate to ask you why you love this song, but why do you love this song? I guess what I'm asking is, I think we all love this song, but is there something particularly Icelandic about the way it was executed or the, or the kind of, you know, how this happened? Does it strike you? Do you feel a certain kind of ownership over this song and over, over it? Well, the song itself is more of a like, uh, maybe not particularly Icelandic, but like a, a funky, dancey kind of vibe, which is, which I often appreciate because I love dancing and, you know, moving to the song is, is very easy. I think the Icelandic flair that he brings is the the whole quirky, uh, sincere, nerdy charm, if that makes sense. Yeah. So you, you saw this act and you thought, that's us. Yeah, a little nugget of Iceland that is very modern, it's very now, it's very our young people. It represents that very well, I think. I'm from Colorado, and I originally, and I've been, um, I feel that way when I see South Park. Uh, Hmm. Yeah. And I think there's something about the, it's a different sense of humor because um, this is much more, authentic and genuine and it's not there's nothing mean about it and it's all inclusive so it's a different thing but i think the thing that strikes me is the homemadeness of it right like the yes. the homemade the, the, like the instruments and <laughs> yeah and also the uh. there's something also very authentic about the 
homemadeness of it. When he said that like so many of his friends pitched in, whether it be for the costumes or the, the instruments or the video or all of it, this whole thing really strikes me as the like, it takes a village to, and all of the people are his friends. You know, he wanted to have six people on stage because yeah. they're all his friends. This whole thing strikes me as the, it takes a village of pretty talented people to create this uh, act. Yeah, oh, this yeah. specific yeah. act. Yeah, yeah, and it has, it has this vibe of like, these young, talented people that have you know, had the opportunity and chosen to nurture their talent and be crafty and and creative together somehow, you know? Yeah, there is a togetherness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it crushing when they didn't, from a national standpoint, when they didn't get to compete? Oh, yeah, this this was also a time where the whole nation was sure that they would have won if only... (laughs) I'm sure they would have won. So I'm sure they yeah, would have won. Yeah, they they really could have that time. I don't think maybe in '86 we were pretty delusional. I think, but I think this time we were less delusional and more realistic. So yeah, they could yeah. have won. Yeah, and then the national feeling when ten years when they didn't get to to perform again. Oh yeah. What was the? How was the I national mean, feeling then? Yeah, but you know, we 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 all just felt this love towards these these youngsters out there and you know it was really horrible that they didn't get to perform when they went again and and uh yeah so that was a disappointment and i really also thought it was a huge honor for for david to to get to perform at this year's competition the act where where he uh did what's the song never ever have a do 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 yeah yeah you remember that yeah because i mean he has a he 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 wasn't a, a, a winner like uh, you know most of the people in that act and you know so that was that was really huge for him I think. I think really there cool. is also something about being robbed not only of the chance to compete but also of the fan love that you of just getting to perform on stage. So the music video of the English version of this song was released on fourteenth of February, twenty twenty. Uh, the dance during the chorus was inspired by the video for Skibidi by Russian rave band Little Big, Love Little Big, who were also set to compete in that year's Eurovision with Uno, Love Uno. And uh, last but not, not least, your last pick. Euphoria forever Only till the, the end best. of yes. time. All right. Only the Why? best Eurovision song ever to be written performed sung on that stage i mean seriously there is no contest in my mind really I think, yes i think lorraine is just amazing and the performance the costume talking about you know women with long flowy black hair and and gowns that are just you know in the wind do you remember the choreography do you remember the male dancer with her i mean seriously i don't know that this is my genre because people feel this way about Fuego uh, with Eleni Ferreira from a mm. while back, from a few years back. There is a certain kind of like single woman, belty, female empowerment, emotion from the gut kind of song that is probably... How is that a bad thing? It's not bad. Probably. It's not bad. It's, a... <laughs> <laughs> it's an embarrassment of riches at Eurovision. It's not, it's probably, that kind of song is probably going to be my third choice. It's not going to be my first. I'll vote for it. 
it's not, I don't know why it's not my first choice. It's just not, but I, this is a problem with me and it's not, it's, it's not a problem with anyone else. Like this year, I really liked Croatia. So I liked Mamasku. Uh, mm-hmm. I liked Poe. I liked um, Who the Hell is Edgar? And um, some of the songs that might've fit the bill that we're talking about now uh, might've been Queen of Kings, maybe Tattoo, obviously it won, you know, Lorene's won twice. Uh, is well, she I don't a... think, I don't, I really like Tattoo. And, and of course, I mean, it comes from the, the greatest pop industry ever to have existed, which is the, the Swedish machine, you know, there's, it's not really possible to beat those guys. I like quirk in Eurovision. I like quirk. I think that's why I like to think about things. I like seeing things mm-hmm. that I otherwise would not see in music. Um, okay. And okay, I get that. Yeah. So from that point of view, I think I just always find a love a, a lovable song to me that's lovable because I wouldn't have seen it otherwise. And and this kind of song doesn't fit that bill for me. Is it perfect? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Euphoria is a perfect pop song. I can appreciate what you're saying about the quirk and the you know appreciating that aspect of of what comes out of the competition, and theoring acts like Dave, for example, a totally different vibe than than euphoria so i can relate to that in a way but i find that the best music that has come out of eurovision is the is in the electronic dance music genre quirky doesn't for me doesn't necessarily have to mean um small or lovable or quaint um i mean cha 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 was pretty quirky not my favorite song but i i would rather see something like that win than um something where the pop music scene has already primed some the, the mainstream pop music has already primed something like tattoo to be successful if that makes sense true yeah, yeah. so yeah yeah it's, it's just it's just a thing i do think that um icelandic songwriters do a better job than swedish songwriters in english i find the icelandic songs written in english to be of a higher level in english like they're more complicated even 10 years even think about things um, I, it doesn't occur to me ever that someone native hasn't written them. And I find that their, um, themes and what they, um, explore is slightly more complicated. Yeah. Okay. Just, okay. Yeah. Well, it's an interesting aspect. Yeah. Do not ever, no, don't look at Sweden that way. I know it's a powerhouse. I, I think we're, as a nation, Eurovision has made us very proud, you know, I think being this tiny 380,000 people over here and, and, you know, putting out these really good, these really good songs into the world. It's just something that does us good. And we're super positive about that. Yeah. I've been really excited to have you on. Like, thank you for coming also, because I know that um, Eurovision fans love Iceland, love Iceland, love Iceland, (laughs) wait for Iceland every year. I always want to know what's going to come out of Iceland. And I'm always, always, always rooting for Iceland. So I know that the feeling is reciprocated, right? You're really proud to be Icelandic and like Eurovision is really happy to have you. So it's, yeah, it's a, it's a marriage made in heaven, really. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's been really great talking and, uh, you know, a lot about knitting, but also a lot about Eurovision. So absolutely good mix. Um, please come back plugs, please. Please plug your Ravelry, plug uh, plug anything you'd like to plug. Please tell us what all your socials are so we know. 
So Ravelry, as mentioned before, is this uh, nerdy website for knitters that are deep into it or even beginners that just want to explore. Yeah, yeah. And I am there as Raga Knits. It's R-A-G-G-A and Knits. You can find me as Raga Arix on uh, Instagram. I put a lot of my knits up there, but it's mixed with my personal. So it's a mix of, you know, my little dog and, and my knits and my life over here. And there is uh, Raga Knits on, on Facebook as well. So you can find me through there. Excellent. Thank you very much. And next time we will just talk about uh, electronic dance music sung by brunette women with long hair. All bangers all the time. (laughs) All bangers all the time. (laughs) In Icelandic, if possible. Thank you very much. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Some plugs from me. Firstly, check out all of Raka's work at Raka Knits on Ravelry or Craftsy. Secondly, friend of the show Richard Di Domenici has new videos on his website for his London-based Mission Impossible Fallout City Chase and a video on Liverpool 2023 Eurovision Karaoke. Last but not least, for those of you who are London-adjacent, Samaritans is running an ABBA-based charity event on September 23rd in Elmbridge. That's a KT152NJ, which will be an evening of dancing and partying in a cabaret-style setting. If you love mental health and you love ABBA, there's a link in the show notes. In fact, there's a link to all of this stuff in the show notes. That's it for Eurovision Song Context for the moment. We release an episode on the 12th of every month. The Doozith. You can find us on the podcast app of your choice. You can find show notes in the description of this episode and on our website at eurovisionsongcontext.fireside.fm. I'm also on Twitter at ESCContext if you want to say hi. Our music is Buckeye Bonsai by Vans in Japan. I really would. I'll always be there, so you can tell me anything What's your favorite daddy for your song? Both of them. Yeah, okay. Do you realize he has more songs than just two?